0: For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive.
2: Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host, and our guest today is Kayla Rosenblum. She is co-founder at Very Good CBD. Excited about this, they do CBD products, CBD flower, an interesting kind of facet, interesting space in the cannabis community here. I'm really interested in this one. I think there's uh, CBD is a hot topic; everyone's talking about it. I think the flower side is something that is is not talked about as much. So I'm really curious to see what they're doing here. With that, Kayla, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you so much for having me today, Bruce.
2: So why don't we talk? Why don't we start with your background? Just kind of understanding how you know professional what you've been doing, how you got into the cannabis space. We'll talk about CBD, CBD flower, but let's start with the story and kind of your background and how you got into this. Uh, tell us the tell us the history.
1: So um, I actually got interested in cannabis when I was still an undergraduate. I was studying health sciences and I got really sick mm-hmm. and nothing was really helping me. I was on a lot of painkillers and I just wasn't functioning. And I was like, I worked too hard to get to my degree yeah. to not finish now because I'm so sick. And a friend... Was like, why don't you just try some, try some cannabis? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you've tried everything else, nothing's working. And I ate for the first time in a month. And I was like, oh my God, there's something here. And I really took that to heart and started studying more and more on my own. And when I got to graduate school, which was for data healthcare analytics, they were really, really positive in letting me kind of focus my projects. On data analytics, but within medicinal cannabis. So I really got to start building that knowledge, which got me my first job in the cannabis industry, which was doing data analytics and electronic health record consulting Mm -hmm. for a data aggregation company in the cannabis space.
2: Interesting.
1: So that's really what sparked all the interest and my research side. So I come from a very medical research background, Mm -hmm. and it's been Really awesome to see such reception across the world. I was able to present at a health information conference about the positives and the the really important key benefits all of healthcare can get from integrating and accepting this into their programs. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, there's a big space for CBD, and that's kind of what led me to wanting to start my own brand and working with the flower itself.
2: Yeah. yeah. So literally, let's talk about the, the data side. So when you're when you're doing medical record data analysis, what is it you're actually, I guess, what is the data you're actually analyzing? What kind of analysis are you doing on it? What kind of insights are you trying to tease out of it? Tell us a little bit about that process, because it's, it's something we haven't really talked about much on the show. And I'd be curious to kind of learn more about, you know, how that process works, what is the data you're using, and, and how do you actually extract insights and
1: what do you get out of it? So a lot of, of data analytics really starts with getting the data. Mm. So many companies, you will partner with you. You can pull data from free sources. And, you know, you always have to understand there's a caveat of if you're not taking that data yourself, yeah. you don't know 100% how accurate it is. But that is the world we live in. And it's kind of an accepted part of data science. Yeah. You know, you vet your sources to the best of your ability, but you never know. And I think the two biggest parts of data analytics that really come together for cannabis is, A, focusing on strains, which is what I did at Popotics. And Mm -hmm. that was taking data from hundreds of thousands of different strains and looking at those cannabinoid percentages, seeing where they break down. And that's where I first started to really see that issue of calling things sativa and indica, because when you look down at that data level and you're comparing the different THC, the CBD to CBN levels... Mm -hmm. Those names really didn't show any difference. It's more of a feeling of how people start to describe. So that really is a great thing for us to understand in hemp and in cannabis as a whole, because with data analytics, we can start working with those strains that people review better, that people have better experiences with or certain specific experiences with. And that's something that's so cloudy right now. Yeah in the industry is how everything's affecting everyone. And then you you have the larger demographic scale as well, which is what healthcare really does and social determinants of health. So your doctors and your insurance companies, when you're sick or you want a new insurance plan, they don't only look at your personal health, but they'll look at the health of your area. Is there high rates of cancer? Are there high rates of pneumonia in the elderly? And those social determinants of health. So basically where you live and your lifestyle also can really impact that data analytics. And I think that's something that can help brands grow in terms of looking at the data and the social determinants of their consumers and seeing what their consumers' lifestyles are in order to branch out to more people.
2: Interesting. So uh, I'm fascinated by this uh, kind of the the strain cultivar issue and the the actual chemical composition that comes in there and then the the tying it back to you know end user or patient results or, or, or patient insights around it so you've been able to actually look at you know a particular strain and say well this, this here's the molecular breakdown of this and in, in terms of the you know chemicals that are potentially affecting people and here's the results that people are getting and you can actually make correlations between different cultivars or, or different chemical compositions and different patient outcomes
1: at this point it's the first step yeah. it's just I used to always I loved using the example of advil you know you have a headache someone mm-hmm. says all right go take some Advil I take three Advil. I know it says don't take more than two at a time. I take three because I just know that two won't work for me. But the bottle says, you know, two. Some people take one.
2: Yeah. Some people split it in half.
1: (laughs) Exactly. So, yes, that medication is made exactly for headaches. And this is the recommended dose. But it doesn't perfectly work for everyone. And that's something people need to first understand with cannabis and then multiply it by a thousand because each strain has a slightly, you're dealing with a plant versus chemically manufactured pill.
2: Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, it's it, it, that is it's such a huge aspect of this industry from, uh, you know, how, how, why are people taking it? How are they taking it? How much do they take? When do they take it? What are they taking? You know, there's so many variables there. And unfortunately, I've I've just seen many cases where, you know, people have a bad first experience and then they write off the product, you know, they write off the the plant, you know, entirely. Uh, to, yeah, completely just because they, you know, they had a, they had a missed dose, you know, as their first experience, unfortunately.
1: And that's definitely is... It's a common problem with see. It's something I saw with my own mother when I started very good CBD. You know, I was so yeah. excited to bring this hemp flower, or something it's federally legal. This is amazing. Yeah. yeah. And I brought it to her house. I'm like, mom, you gotta all right, <laughs> you can <on>. try
2: this. <laughs> try it with <laughs> yeah. me.
1: And she was like, I've had a I had a bad experience smoking like pot once. Like. Yeah. and I'm like, Mom, come on, it's not pot. Like, just yeah. give this a chance. Yeah. And you know, I was able to convince her to try it. And she ended up loving it, but it's that first, like yeah. you said, it's the unfortunate when people have that first bad experience. It's about, you know, trying to teach people to open up a little bit more. Some yeah. people have a terrible first experience the time they, the first time they ever jump in the pool. Yeah, exactly. people, They don't swim forever. You could still swim again.
2: Yeah. I still don't like zucchini. <laughs> I had a bad experience with zucchini when I was <laughs> young and I still like something about it.
1: That's me and jello. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So, so let's talk about CBD a little bit more. So, for, for those that you know don't don't kind of know the kind of the breakdown of the plant and the and the components and how CBD and, and THC work, give us a give us a, a, a quick lesson on what is CBD. You know, why is it different than THC? Where do you get it? You know, and then we can talk about hemp a little bit and and kind of where we're at with that from a agricultural point of view.
1: Awesome. So, basically, the easiest way to break this down is hemp and THC are cannabinoids so they are parts of the cannabis plant and those parts create a whole and there's a whole you know list of cannabinoids but mm-hmm. the main ones that we were able to identify as a society first were THC and CBD so THC is your psychoactive cannabinoid and that means it attaches to receptors in your brain that create those psychedelic and you know high effects yeah CBD is also another natural cannabinoid. However, its receptor is slightly different. And that receptor affects more of the overall body feeling rather than the mental effects. Got it. CBD also, it's very interesting, can attach to the same receptors as THC, but on the side almost. And that causes THC to not enter it. And that's where we start to talk about that entourage effect of why full spectrum might be a little bit better or has better effects than single cannabinoids, distillate products.
2: Yeah. And explain broad spectrum, full spectrum, you know, isolate, like give us a, uh, a sense of why, why these things make a difference in terms of how they impact somebody or how, how they, what they do to the body or dif- how they're different from a consumption point of view.
1: So from a consumption point of view, you're talking, when you're talking about isolate, you're talking about isolating down one of these cannabinoids. Mm-hmm. So CBD only. And that's a very popular thing out there. Yeah. And it works for some people. Versus something when you have full spectrum, what that means is that even, yes, it's a CBD oil, but they didn't take away some of those other cannabinoids that might be there in smaller amounts. And that's where we get this entourage effect of cannabinoids working together. So just like I kind of, you know, we see a little bit with THC and CBD work together. It's these new effects and these new interactions we're starting every day. Scientists are learning more and more. Mm -hmm. But, you know, for the consumer, it's important to understand that you can get it. if If you know that THC- does not react well with your body. An isolate product might be best for you just to not risk having any THC within yeah, the product. Yeah, it, Everything's about what's best for you.
2: Yeah, and I think that's, you know, fi- finding sort of safe, good ways to experiment on some of these products and, and finding the one that actually has has the right uh, effect, the right impact that you want you know, is, I think it's generally what I found being a good, a good strategy for most people getting into this kind of cannabis space, whether you're THC or CBD. And, and tell us about terpenes. I mean, I don't know how much you get into the terpenes. Everyone's talking about terpene profiles and all the, you know, being able to create all the different cultivars and the terpene percentages and stuff. How do you think about or, or how does terpenes come into the mix for you?
1: So terpenes are another newer little side project of cannabis that people are really starting to yeah. focus on. And I think the best way for you know, people who really don't understand this is to think of essential oils and lavender. People okay. love lavender essential oil. They put it in calming you know, bedtime tea. Mm-hmm. They put it in calming bedtime sprays, all of that. Because lavender naturally contains linalool. That mm-hmm. is a terpene that is also naturally found in cannabis because we're all talking about plant bases here. Yeah. So the idea here is if you're taking this lavender, you know, for the same effects that the linalool creates in these sprays and these, you know, edible products based on lavender, that linalool should be doing the same thing within the cannabis plant. Got it. And that's also where you're getting these great aromas flavors in a lot of the newer hemp products coming out. And that's something we love to focus on because industrial hemp was only focused at the beginning for you know clothing making, yeah. rope making. Once the law opened up to allow the sale of hemp below 0.3 Delta 9 THC, mm-hmm. that first round of hemp was terrible because it wasn't meant <laughs> to be consumed. Yeah, that's exactly. the whole point. It's, you don't smoke a t-shirt.
2: Yeah, yeah I, yeah, I like that. You don't smoke a t-shirt.
1: You know, by focusing on these terpenes, all these growers, and been able to start developing these great flavor profiles, and that's something we really pride ourselves with very good CBDs. Finding the streams with these amazing flavor profiles that taste to you. We really don't want you to taste the difference because there shouldn't be a difference in taste.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and and just for folks i mean uh, kind of uh, helping them understand so hemp hemp technically is basically the cannabis plant that is less than 0.3% thc right so there's still a little bit or there's you know potentially a, a little bit of thc in a hemp plant but as long as you're below the 0.3% you're categorized as hemp and now under federal law the farm bill the 2018 farm bill it is legal to grow produce uh, process hemp products that, that meet that qualification.
1: Yeah, so yeah. that is a great thing for the industry because it allowed us to start growing. Uh-huh. You know, even the government, if you look into the USDA regulations and all the guidelines that came with the farm bill, you'll actually find that that 0.3 THC limit, they even admit is an arbitrary number because no one really knows how much THC will get you high. Yeah, And yeah. so that's something, you know, as businessmen, as a cannabis community, as a hemp community, all need to come together and really start focusing on how lawmakers are gonna affect the industry as well. Yeah, yeah. Because all these changes, you're talking about genetics and a plant. And if you're making decisions off of arbitrary, you know, numbers we might never be able to reach that full potential because we'll never there'll be barriers the whole way. Yeah. Which is, you know, already the industry is a ton of barriers to
2: get started. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so let's, let's talk about the business and very good CBD. So how, I guess, how did the idea, I mean, you mentioned you got, you got interested in CBD flower. How did, how did you go from kind of idea or interest to actually getting the company up and running? You know, what was that journey like for you as an entrepreneur?
1: It's definitely been a long, but rewarding journey. Mm -hmm. I was lucky enough to have business partners who are already in the industry who are great at finding those key networkers and the key people we needed, you know, for the merchant processing to get the website up and running and to get those connections to small farms that we could really, really work with and have not some big wholesaler connection with, but really have a strong connection with and to work with them as they grow their plant, and we grow our brand. Mm-hmm. So as that progressed, I took on a lot of the branding parts of it, and marketing. And that's something in the CBD space that is beyond difficult.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: If you're starting a t-shirt company, you can just go go on Facebook, go on Google ads, pay for your ads, and get your name out there. CBD <laughs> is not that easy. And yeah. many of those big players do not allow, even though it is federally legal, they will not allow the promotion of those ads. So it's a lot of organic marketing, which is, it takes time. It's a lot of work and it takes a lot of time to build an organic following, reaching out to people and really building a strong brand image. A lot of people, that's what they prefer.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I guess. So how did you choose when, when we were looking at, you know kind of the customers that you wanted to serve, your ideal kind of clients, who have you kind of zeroed in on or, or who have you built this brand for and the products for? Who, who do you expect to use this and, and why Why are they using it? What is What does your brand do for them? Talk to me a little bit about that strategy, son.
1: So our branding strategy, it's not necessarily focused on one demographic in terms of this is what we're doing, this is who we're hitting. It's what everything that we do hits every little target group in its own unique way. So we focus on the people who have no idea what hemp flour is. And we provide educational content on our blog. We provide our COAs. We make sure all our paperwork is put together. Even our labeling on our cans has the main terpene levels, the flavor profiles. We're putting really as much information out there for our consumers as possible, as well as doing in-person events. Just to spread this education of CBD to those who don't know anything about it or to those who might know but want a trustworthy brand who actually is putting in the time and effort to vet every product and everything that crosses, you know, our website. Mm
2: -hmm, mm -hmm. And in terms of product, the products that you're you're focused on putting out there. I mean, like I said, I haven't seen many companies doing hemp, you know, CBD, hemp flower. I guess, how is the product different? How is the product the same from some of your products and how have you kind of looked at your product strategy or, or you know, either in terms of the cultivars that you're focused on or, you know, the, the, the different products themselves and how you're kind of packaging them and getting out to consumers?
1: So we originally launched with our two premier hemp strains, Sapphire and Best, and we sell that in the whole flower form, and we put those in branded cans, which have all of the information for the specific strain, as well as a QR code. You could even scan with your phone. Mm-hmm. They'll bring you right up to all the testing material, so you have it with you at all times. Mm-hmm. We heat seal that in a smell-proof bag, which then goes into the bubble mailer, which has the paper copies of your testing data, as well as the letters of law enforcement, and it's all smell-proof, all discreet, in a nice mailer and the whole point is we understand that this there's still a stigma attached to hemp it yeah. looks like cannabis it smells like cannabis the yeah. only difference is it won't get you high so we really take pride in making sure that not only is our is the physical flower the best flower we possibly could find for our consumers but also that the entire experience feels high end yeah. it doesn't feel like that bodega shadiness it yeah. has this great feel a tin that you can u- reuse over and over again and it just feels high class. And that's kind of the point. You want to have a premium smoking experience. And this, and by doing that, we really help our customers elevate themselves and enjoy the entire experience rather than kind of hiding behind the stigma and shame that yeah. used to be, you know, very very difficult. So how
2: does that work if I'm, if I have a a CBD pre-roll, you know, walking down the street uh, in a non-cannabis legal state, like from a use point of view, how, like I, if I carry this information with me so that if law enforcement says, you know, stops me and and asks me, you know, what is this you're smoking? Like how, how does that work from a consumer point of view in terms of you know, dealing with this kind of it it looks it looks and smells just like a high THC cannabis product.
1: It's you know, it's something that's difficult. It's such a case by case basis, state by state basis, yeah. even where you are. There's certain areas in New York City where I would walk around and not think twice about doing it. And then yeah. there's other places where even though I know it's federally legal, I just don't want to deal the,
2: uh, with the complexity. You know, yeah.
1: Exactly the complexity of it. But it is federally legal. Recently, there was a huge seizure by NYPD and USPS of someone's hemp shipment. It was for a store. So, you know, it was mm-hmm. a very large quantity, yeah. but it was misidentified as THC and they wrongfully arrested the, the buyer yeah. and they were finally acquitted and, you know, it's taken care of. But no one should have to go through that for dealing with a federally legal product.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I think that's that's part of I think the unfortunate complexity we're dealing with, you know, these days with the you know state and federal laws, you know, not you know being sort of inconsistent or you know at odds at times. I mean, in terms of having developed the business and the suppliers, and I guess where have you found your product? How has that process worked? Uh, you know, it seems like you're very attentive to the quality and to the you know to, to finding interesting strains, cultivars. How has that process worked? Where have you I mean, where have you been able to find the products that that you felt are good enough to actually put your brand on and and sell?
1: It's a uh, a lot of testing, <laughs> a lot of you know testing amongst the founders and you know some friends.
0: Yeah,
1: just you know first to get that idea of if this is good. But before yeah. we even get to the sample stage, we go through you know hundreds of different strains and you know recommendations from people. Our biggest things is looking is the certificate of analysis. Mm-hmm. Is it legitimate? Is it from a trusted, well-respected lab. I've gotten samples, you know, an email with the photos and such before going forward and realized certificate was spelled wrong on certificate of analysis.
2: <laughs> that's a sign.
1: Exactly, but that's a big sign. And it scares me to think that those are there are people who might not realize that little mistake and buy that. And who yeah. knows now what they're getting. Yeah. So it's really vetting, it's looking at the color, the flavor, the smell. The smoke is it a smooth experience? Is it harsh? We don't want to cause have a harsh smoking experience. We want people to have a nice smooth one yeah. with no coughing because that just it causes it's not a nice pleasant time when you're hacking up along.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm curious are they are the are the strains cultivars in hemp? i mean, assuming there's they're different, right? I mean, you, you you're not going to get uh, a diesel in in hemp, right? I mean, these are going to be their own set of uh, cultivars.
1: Well, funny enough, is we're actually starting to see a rise in farms focusing on basically stripping away the THC from some of our favorite flavored strains out there, and I think there this is going to be a next genetic boom for the CBD hemp flower industry. Is almost like you have a uh, alcoholic drinks and then you have a mocktail. Yeah, it's um, This is could be the equivalent of the mocktail, finally, for the CBD industry.
2: Interesting. I could get an orange sherbet without the THC in it as a CBD product. Yeah, it's fascinating just because I, I, you know, as you change, I mean, I guess what I think of is you're talking about plants, right? I mean, this is not exactly. like a chemical. This is not like a factory process where I just, oh, I'm going to turn down the THC dial,
0: mm-hmm. right?
2: Like I've got to go through some kind of genetic, you know, altering process to figure out how to get this plant to produce, you know, a bud that's going to have, you know, a lower THC level or or um, a very minuscule THC level without changing all the other properties of it. But exactly. uh, but people are doing it. Interesting. Interesting.
1: It's, it's definitely, it's, I think it's an extremely fascinating you know, place for the CBD industry to go. But again, it's a lot of work. we're talking, like you said, plants, this is genetic level, not, you know, Oh, let's tweak the formula here in the factory.
0: Yeah. Yeah, So
1: it's definitely something I think people should keep in mind. And I think people should work towards because it's a great, great alternative. I love, you know, I'm, I have no issue with regular cannabis for CBD. I love it all equally. Mm -hmm. And I find it great to mix it together for me. For me, that's to have the extra CBD when I'm, you know, let's say rolling a joint for personal use Mm -hmm. to be able to throw CBD in there. So I'm, I feel that body high with a little bit of that head, but I still am relaxed and functioning. And that is a great thing, even for the typical cannabis consumer to consider hemp It's, You know, I can understand if you're a habitual cannabis user. Turning the CBD oil might not be the turn for you. I respect it, but hemp flour—it almost looks indiscernible sometimes, and I think that's a great place for people to start exploring.
2: Yeah. What, um, in in terms of kind of where you're going with the with the brand and the sort of the products, I guess what's on your pipeline, what's in your backlog, what are what are things you're looking at producing and and bringing to market in the coming months and years.
1: Well, we actually have a lot coming up yeah. within the next uh, few weeks. We are launching a pre-roll line. Got it. For both our premier strains. That will come in both 2 and 5 pack, and this will provide a great alternative for those we found from, you know, our first consumers, customers we talked to, a lot of feedback we got. Was that some of our older demographic? They got the flower, and they're like, "What do I do with yeah, this?" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I don't remember how to roll a joint. I don't. Yeah. So I think this will really help open up our doors to more consumers and more people who might just not really know a lot about hemp, but want to try, but don't want to take the commitment of buying a piece or learning how to roll a joint. And I think this is going to be a great way for us to reach those people.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. And in yeah. terms of. You know, other other kind of, I guess, things you've learned about the business. You know, so for for folks here that are listening, that are either in the cannabis space or thinking about getting in the cannabis space, what are some of your takeaways as a founder, entrepreneur, as you've grown the business? Things you didn't know, or things things that you learned as you built the business that you wish you would have learned before you started, or or that you had to kind of learn the hard way. What are some of the insights that you might have for folks that are thinking about getting into cannabis?
1: Really, do your research you have to consider you're taking all of the difficulties and hardships that come with starting a small business and now multiplying them by an industry that is constantly developing and extremely complex. You know, we're talking about federally legal product, but there's some states that if I ship to, there could be issues. It's a lot of research and it's really knowing how you're going to build your brand. Building um, High Yield Insights did a survey and they showed that 31% of people prefer a CBD brand website as their preferred purchasing channel. And that is specific brands that they have come to know and love, whether whether from word of mouth or random, you know, I'm going to try this one day. So building your brand is something that is extremely, extremely important. Having a good logo, having good outreach, doing community outreach. We've done comedy shows. We're planning yoga events because we want to reach the community and show them we're not just an e-commerce site we are an entire brand yeah. you know there's a person sitting here who's you know has their hands on your product who's making sure that everything looks perfect every time it goes out yeah. and i think that's something that's so important in this day and age of amazon where you know things are thrown into a box and shipped to you to get a package of something that Is new and exciting. And you could see the love and care that went into the product and packaging and everything about it. It's kind of this experience we've lost out on nowadays. And I think through the hemp industry is a great way to reintroduce that personal touch.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. I think, yeah, all the, anything that's looking to be at the top of the market, you know, a premier brand, exclusive brand, you know, it it is so much, it's so much about the whole experience around the product. It's not just the, the core flower itself, but, you know, all the care and attention to detail to Everything from the brand to labeling to shipping to packaging to how it's Mm -hmm. wrapped, how it's labeled, you know, all those things. So if people want to find out more about you, about Very Good CBD, what's the best way to get that information?
1: So you can check us out. We are at VeryGoodCBD.com. We also are on all social media channels at VeryGoodCBD. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, LinkedIn, all of them. Awesome. Yep, keep it simple with very good CBD.
2: Perfect, I, and I'll make sure that uh, all those are in the show notes here so that people can click through and, and get that information. Kayla, this has been a pleasure. Thanks for taking the time. Um, fun fun conversation about CBD. I think it's a fascinating kind of branch of uh, the cannabis market that is, no pun intended, but is, is growing <laughs> and it's gonna, it's gonna see a lot of interesting kind of developments over the years. So I appreciate your time and, and sharing your story with us.
1: Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud